Trinity Baptist Church, a community growing in faith, obedience, and joy. Once, I was a person who found myself in others. I was driven by a deep desire to be liked, to be the life of the party, and the person everyone wanted around. I was trapped in a pattern of being whatever I thought someone wanted to whoever it was that wanted it. I abused alcohol and other substances to be a part of the group and to get back to that state of inebriation that so distracted me from how I really felt about myself. I emotionally manipulated women out of the hope that if I pretended to be who I thought they wanted me to be, that if I could just be liked by them, I would eventually find that internal satisfaction that I so longed for. Then, Jesus found me. And he showed me that I had been striving my whole life just to be liked, when all along there was someone who unconditionally loved me, and just as I was. Today, I rejoice in the fact that I am desired, that I find true joy through my justification in a God who loved me when I didn't even like myself. My name is Brian Scott, and I am a follower of Jesus Christ. Our reading today is from the book of Ephesians, chapter 3. For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit and your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know that his love, this love, that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all the generations forever and ever. Amen. The word of the Lord. Thanks, Brian. Hey, um, just so you know, Brian heads up the the communion ministry, and so if he calls you and asks you to serve communion, say yes to him. He's a good guy. Um, If you're visiting with us, we're thrilled that you're here, and I want to tell you what we've been doing over the last uh, seven weeks. We, we begin this sermon time by getting into small conversation groups where I give you kind of a softball question and then later in the service I give you a little deeper question. And uh, some of you have been a little uncomfortable with that and I recognize that because I'm an introvert too. And so I understand that. But I'm going to tell you a little bit later in, in this message kind of why we do it. Um, and so I'm going to ask you to do it again. Here's the, here's the softball question. 
First, get in groups of three or four and introduce yourself, and then I'll tell you what, we're, what I want you to talk about. And this shouldn't take long. Hi, my name is... Okay, so here's, here's what I want you to do with, with your new friends. I want you to do a little word association this morning. So I'm going to give you a word, which you'll get in a moment, and I want you to share with your friends what image that word conjures, what feeling that word conjures. And it could be negative, it could be positive, it's kind of a mixed bag word, all right? But just be honest with each other. So ready for the word? Church. All right? What do you associate with the word church? You got about two minutes. This is the the eighth week in this series, Mission Possible in which we are looking at the mission that, that Jesus gave his church, and more specifically, the mission that we feel like he's given us. And so uh, hopefully this is, is um, becoming very, very familiar to you. I want us to read this together. So this is the mission of our church. Trinity is an international and multi-generational community dedicated to making disciples of Jesus Christ who are growing in faith, obedience, and joy as we go out to advance God's kingdom. So the core of that mission is making disciples, which is a good thing because that's what Jesus called his church to do. Radiating from that core are these five spokes of community, faith, obedience, joy, and going out. And we've, we've looked at all of those components um, for one week. Uh, actually, we've looked at community, faith, obedience, joy for one week. And so what we're going to do these last couple of weeks is look at, at what it looks like to go out. And, and I'm going to bring community back into that this morning. Because I don't know if you realize, but, but in our mission statement, we don't have the word church. Is that a little strange? I mean, we've got the word community, but we don't have the word church. And I don't know what you guys talked about when you were talking about church, but for a lot of people, the word church conjures up negative images. I mean, there's a lot of baggage sometimes that comes with that word church. But what we have to remember is that Jesus came to build his church, right? And so whether we have good associations or bad associations with the word church, what we have to understand is that we cannot truly be a follower of Jesus apart from his church, And we will never be able to step into the fullness of who he created us to be apart from his church. 
In this series, we've talked about being disciples and making disciples. And for the most part, we've talked about it in the context of our personal relationship with God. Uh, Apart from what James preached on when he talked about compelling community. But what we really have to understand is that when Jesus in Matthew 28 told his disciples, um, I want you to go and make disciples of all nations... He wasn't talking to one guy. He was talking to all of them. In, in Acts chapter 1, when he says, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be my witnesses. He's not talking to one you. He's talking to plural you. And so what we have to understand is that the mission that God has given us as a church, as his church, is bigger than any one of us. And what God wants to do in the church is his intent is that through us together, he wants us to individually experience the fullness of him, of himself, but, but together he wants us to impact the world. So this morning, we're going to talk about what God intended the church to be. So I'd like for you to suspend all of those associations that you just talked about. And let's listen to what the scriptures have to say. In Ephesians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul describes this mystery. And this is Ephesians 3 verse 6, just prior to what Brian read for us. And I'd like for us to all read this one verse together, okay? Ephesians 3, verse 6, let's read this. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. What word did Paul repeat three times? (laughs) It's not rocket science. Together. The metaphor that Paul uses to express this togetherness is the the metaphor of the body. And he uses that metaphor in in many of his his letters. In in Ephesians, he uses it in the very next chapter, in chapter 4, to talk about the fact that, that God has called us together so that we might all be built up and all reach maturity in the faith and in the fullness of Jesus Christ. You see, God wants us to come together so that we all move in unity toward the intent that God has for us where each of us attains our God-given potential. And here's what we have to appreciate. God's promises to grow us and mature us and use us and fill us are promises that he makes to us, not to me. His promises are not to I, but to we. And we need to understand that that God cannot accomplish what he wants to accomplish either in us or through us if it's all about doing life alone. This letter is written to the church in Ephesus. It's not written to a guy named Ephesus. 
It's written to the Ephesians. And these profound, the most profound and powerful promises in the scripture do not come to an individual, but they come to people. And until we understand that the life that God created us to live was never intended to be lived alone, we will never understand the fullness of what Jesus came to do for us as individuals. Life is to be lived together. Why? Because the mission that God has for us is too big for any one one of us. Here's what Paul says in verse 10. His intent, God's intent, was that now through the church, not through me, not through you, but through us, his intent was the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. Do you ever feel like life just doesn't make sense? Yeah. In fact, there are a lot of people who have difficulty putting their faith in, in God because life doesn't make sense. I can't believe in God because there's so much suffering in the world. I can't believe in God because there's so much violence in the world. Um, I get that. There is, the fact that there is suffering in the world um, that shouldn't be happening. There's violence in the world that shouldn't be happening. There's poverty and injustice that shouldn't be happening. And it doesn't make sense. But what the scriptures are telling us is that God's intent is that through the church, when we come together, that together we help make sense of what's going on. Paul says that it was God's intent through the church that the manifold wisdom of God would be made known. Isn't that a great verse? The manifold wisdom of God. Even if you don't understand what that means, just memorize that. Because then, you know, when somebody... You're talking to somebody, you know, the manifold wisdom of God. Um, Paul says, God's intent through the church is that the manifold wisdom of God would be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus. Do you see what he's saying? Humans are not the only ones who don't understand what's going on. There are celestial beings for whom the world doesn't make sense. There are angelic beings that are scratching their heads and saying, God, what were you thinking? The angelic beings that are on God's side are saying, God, there's injustice and violence and and bitterness and arrogance and pride and and hatred and and is this going the way you planned it and then there are angelic beings that are opposed to God who are saying I knew this wouldn't work there's no way you can fix this but what the scriptures are telling us is that God's intent is that the church is to make sense of human history. 
And it's not just for us to make sense of it to each other, but to make sense of it to heavenly beings who, as it turns out, are just as confused as we are sometimes. See, what God did through Jesus on the cross was he allowed Jesus to be broken so that we could come together. And when he brings us together, together we can make sense of the mess of our world. You see, through the church, God wants to make known that a world filled with forgiveness is is better than a world filled with bitterness. He wants to make known that a people committed to peace makes more sense than people who are committed to violence. Through the church, it begins to make sense that a community of compassion and kindness and love and mercy, that a community that reflects the heart of God is exactly what humanity was supposed to be in the first place. The church is supposed to make sense of the mess of our world in all of our struggles and in all of our brokenness. God brings us together and teaches us how to live together. And together we show the world who God is. That's our mission. He goes on in verse 12. In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. You know, there are people all over the planet who don't know they can approach God with freedom and confidence. And the tragedy of that is many of those folks are trapped in religion. Because what religion has done is used guilt and shame to bring people to a place where they don't think they can approach God apart from religion. But what what God is telling us, what Paul is telling us through these scriptures is that, that because of what Jesus did on the cross, in him and through faith in him, We can approach God in freedom and confidence. And that is the message that we get to proclaim to a broken world. How do we proclaim it? Verse 14. For this reason. For this mission. For this this intent of God in his church. For this reason. I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts, plural, through faith. This is a wonderful prayer, but he's not praying it for one person. He's praying it for the church. He's praying it that together they may be strengthened. You see, the truth is I am too small of a vehicle for God's glorious riches to be poured into. And you are too small of a vehicle for God's glorious riches to be poured into. But together, God can pour his riches into us. We sing songs like, you're all I need. But the fact is, that's just not accurate. God did not create us simply with a need for him, but he created us with a need for each other. I don't care how intelligent you are. Actually, I do care how intelligent you are. Um, It doesn't matter how intelligent you are. 
you are not as intelligent as all of us put together. It doesn't matter how gifted you are. You are not as gifted as all of us put together. I love the fact that when we come together in community, we can accomplish so much more than if we try to do it alone. Um, Have you ever thought about the fact that for your gifting to be effective, you need other people? I'm, I'm a pretty good communicator. But in order for that gifting to be effective, I need people who will listen to me. <laughs> right? Otherwise, I'm just talking to myself. And we've all seen people talking to themselves. And they're... <laughs> And they're crazy. (laughs) Right? What we need to understand, what you need to understand, is that if your talent is all about you, you are no different than the crazy person on the street. If your gifting is all about your success, you are no different than that guy who talks to himself. If your intellect, if your wealth is all about you, you've wasted your life to no lesser degree than the person who has lost their mind. We become powerful when we come together. And then Paul goes on, Second half of verse 17, he says, And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power. How? Together. That you may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Paul is saying that we can be filled with the fullness of God, but a lot of us are satisfied with just a little bit of Jesus. A lot of us just have enough Jesus so that we're not Buddhist. A lot of us have just enough Jesus so that we're not agnostic. But what Paul is saying is that you can be filled with Jesus. You can be filled to the full measure of who Jesus is. If you were here the first week of this series, in our small group conversation, I asked you to to think of a person that you admired in a particular um, profession or or field of skill and, and to tell your friends why you admired that person. Remember that? And then I said, if God came to you and, and said, if you could have... 1% of that person's talent or 100% of that person's talent, which would you choose? Yeah, 1% of Steph Curry or 100% of Steph Curry? You know, 1% of Stephen Hawking's mind or 100% of his mind? 
1% of Bobby Flay or 100% of Bobby Flay. You know, we all said, I want 100%. In every other arena of life, we want the full LeBron. We want the full measure of Monet. We don't want to just be Mo. Um, <laughs> we want all of it. And what Paul is telling us is that we can have the full measure of Jesus. So here's the question. Why is it that so many of us are running on empty so much of the time? Because you can't experience the full measure of Jesus alone. It only happens when we walk together. You want to know the full measure of his love. You want to know the power. You want the power to know how wide and long and high and deep the love of Christ is. The only way that's going to happen is when you walk together with all the Lord's holy people. You cannot know the full measure of God's love if you choose to live your life alone. Don't you want to know a love that surpasses knowledge? Don't you want to know a love that is so wide and so long and so high and so deep that you can never find the edges of that love? You can't find that love alone. Only together can we know that love. But let's face it, people are a mess. Let me be more specific. You are a mess. I'm just saying. It would be great if we could do church without people. But that's impossible. You see, you got to stop doing church and you got to start being church. And the only way we can be church is when we come together. Only then can we be the church that the world so desperately needs. And only then can we fulfill our mission. Here's what Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 say. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. What the scriptures are saying is that we need to come together so that we can spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Too often we think that if, if we love, then it'll just come naturally. That we won't have to work at it. But what the scriptures are telling us is that we need to spur one another on to love and good deeds. And just so you know, spurring often doesn't feel good. Just ask a horse, right? Spurring is this prodding that gets us going. And love is something that needs to be worked toward. He says, spur toward love and good deeds love actually moves you toward action. But we don't really like to be spurred, which is 
why I think one of the reasons many of us avoid group dynamics. Many of you have been uncomfortable with these small group conversations that we've been having. And might I suggest that maybe some of your discomfort comes from the fact that you don't really want to be spurred. And that, that these conversations are intended to get us to start thinking more deeply about what it would look like to reach to a higher level of love and good deeds. Which is, by the way, why it's connected to the next part of this verse. Let us consider how we may spur one one another on toward love and good good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. I think it's interesting that almost right away from the birth of the church, people stopped going to church. And in the Greek, it actually says, and why are you late all the time? No, it doesn't really say that, but it should say that. Why is it important to meet together? Why is this connected to spurring one another on to love and good deeds? Because the dynamic of a missional community is that we spur each other toward our highest self. We all know that if left to ourselves, we will not become all God wants us to be. We all know that when left to ourselves, we will avoid the hard work of loving. But when we come together in community, we know that we are a part of something bigger than ourselves. And when I allow you to impact who I am, who I am becomes a more powerful version of me than I could ever be without you. This is what the church is about. It's not just about attending a meeting. It's about becoming a missional community. Spurring each other on toward love and good deeds so that we can make God known to the world. Friends, love is the most powerful weapon the universe has ever known. And Jesus said, all men will know that you're my disciples when you have love for one another. Jesus put all of his eggs in the, disciple, or in the love basket. He said, when you love each other... The world will know that my Father exists. When you love each other, the world will know that I am the Christ. When you love each other, the world will know that you belong to me. And when we come together, we are able to experience the power and wonder of love. And we have opportunity to spur one another on toward that love. Friends, we don't just need God. We need each other because without each other, we will never find the meaning our souls long for. We will never fulfill the intention for which God created us. So I want us to get back into our our conversation groups. And what I'd like for you to do is I'd like for you to rate yourself on a scale of one to five with regard to how 
oriented you are toward doing life together, allowing people to spur you on toward love and good deeds. So rate yourself one to five and then tell your small conversation group how you rated yourself and why you put yourself in that place. All right, so you've got about three minutes to do that. Let me make one last thought. Back to Ephesians 3, verse 20. I want you to listen for the pronouns. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory, where? In the church. And in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Friends, I don't care how big your imagination is. It is too small to be a platform for God. What God is doing is he is bringing us together with a common intention, bringing all of our imaginations and all of our dreams together because together we become the platform through which God shows all the universe what his kingdom is about. What you can do by yourself, what I can do by myself, pales in comparison to what we can do together. The church is not supposed to be a place you go to. The church is supposed to be a missional community of people who, when they come together, experience the enormity of the love of God, who come together to spur one another on in that love, and then together to demonstrate that love to the world in such a way that the whole universe steps back and says, now that makes sense. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, I am so grateful that, well, first, that you were broken on a cross so that we might approach God with freedom and with confidence. Lord, I pray that the reality of that would, would just penetrate deeply into each of our souls. But I also pray, Lord, that we would recognize that you have called us to be in community. You have called us to be the church. And it's only when we come together that we are able to demonstrate your purpose for humanity, your love for humanity. Lord, I pray that all of, in all of our brokenness and all of our messed upness that we would still pursue one another because it is in that context that we really know your love. The depth and the breadth and the height and the length. And Lord, I pray that in a moment as we come to the table, we will experience that love again. 
we will recognize the, the length that you went to to show your love for us. And we will also recognize our common unity because of the cross, our community. Lord, grow us that we might be the missional community you've called us to be. You've created us to be for your namesake. Amen.